real mystery is how, 50 years later, I am still performing where so many others who did the same thing, some of them truly great musicians, fell by the wayside. I look at other people who frankly could sing me under the table, yet never managed to get their careers off the ground. I have backing vocalists today who individually and technically could sing me off the map, but they have never made names for themselves as solo artists. They have tried, and they failed, and it's nothing to do with their talent because they work constantly. I can only conclude that I was lucky enough to have been born with that indefinable X factor. Alternatively, that someone somewhere had a purpose for me. My father would have liked me to go to college or university. He would say, get an education and then go for it, if singing is what you want to do. But time goes so quickly and opportunities don't always come again. If I had followed his advice, I might have missed out on the success I've had in show business, so I have no regrets about the path I took. But I don't doubt that in the 1950s it was an easier path than it is today. At that time the record company said, please sign here, and then they would support their artists and help us improve. Bands today might sell 10 million CDs, but one failure and those same record companies will be debating whether it is worth their while going for another album. I have never sold 10 million copies of one album in my life. My first record went to number two in the charts. My second was number seven. The third was number 20. It was the fifth one, Living Doll, that reached number one. But in the meantime, the record company was saying, don't panic, we will find the right song for you. They were supporting me in a way that doesn't seem to happen today. Today it's wheel them in and wheel them out. So... Who knows whether some of the wonderfully talented singer-songwriters who are just starting out will be around in the years to come. I was thrilled by my success in those early days, but I never expected it to last. I reckoned on five years at the most. Never, in my wildest dreams, did I think that I would still be rocking and rolling, still filling arenas all over the world, and that girls would still be screaming at me when I was old enough to have a bus pass. I have the old grey hair, And so do many of the girls who scream. But so what? I have never stopped loving what I do. And while there are people out there who still enjoy listening to my music, no matter what age we all are, I shall continue to sing for them. People have described me as an enigma, but when it comes to how I achieved all this, I'm as puzzled as anyone. I do have a few theories, however, and I have been lucky. I was lucky to have been born into a strong family who has sustained me through the years and never allowed the fame and fortune to go too seriously to my head. My father, Roger Webb, died sadly when I was twenty, and my mother died after many years of dementia, three days after my sixty-seventh birthday, in two thousand and seven. But my sisters, Donna, Jackie and Joan, are very close. They are probably my greatest fans, though they are not afraid to criticise me. Chapter 1. Back to the Future We were brought up in a loving but highly disciplined, God-fearing household, with a very strict Victorian father whose word was law, and, I guess, subliminally, his values became my values. He believed in hard work, good manners and honesty, and he took great care of the little money we had. Look after the pennies, he would always say, and the pounds will look after themselves. And he needed to look after the pennies. We were impoverished. I am certainly not impoverished today, yet I still can't leave a light on in an empty room or let air conditioning blast away when someone's opened a window. I can't bear it. 
I have to go in and turn it off. He instilled in me that nothing should be wasted. He was quite aloof. I don't remember many fatherly hugs, but that may have been because I was the eldest, and a son. I was the only surviving boy. I had had a younger brother, Freddy, who was born in India, as I was, but he didn't live for more than a few weeks. I was only about twenty-one months old at the time, so don't remember anything about it, really, but my parents must have suffered terribly, and I have often speculated what it might have been like to have had a brother. Dad worked as a manager for Kellners, a big catering business in India that serviced the railways. The job took him all over the country, so he was away for long periods at a time. But we lived very comfortably in a flat provided by the company in Howrah, a town outside Calcutta. We had servants to cook and clean, as most of the British living in India at that time did, and they too were paid for by the company. I don't have very many memories of India. I remember it.